This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Thanks, y'all. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together, we are FNA Van Life. This is the podcast where every week we bring you news from the nomadic community or interviews with other nomads so that you can know what it's really like to live life on the road. And today, we have an interview going on, and this one I want to call, like, the grass is always greener. Why is that? Because, you know, this is a guy who has yet to really jump into van life, and, like, it's that moment where you're always thinking about, like, oh, I see these pictures online, and I see this, and I see that. So I think about, like, the grass is always greener. Because even, like, the 9 to 5, you know, we look at it as nomads, and we go, ooh, it would be really nice to have, like, that stable income. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be really nice to feel that way. But then once you're there and you're in it, you kind of, like, for us at least, the 9 to 5 might sound appealing sometimes, but then when we're in it, we're like, do we really want to be stuck in a place? Mm-hmm. You know? And it could be that for van life for people as well. Yeah, well, I think that's why a lot of people are kind of nomadic through van life and then maybe not always full-time. But I think there is something to be said for people who kind of do the nomadic thing occasionally and get out on these weekend trips or go, like, spend a week or two somewhere and really kind of, like enjoy the lifestyle of van life and camping and the outdoors but haven't necessarily made the full plunge into that and I think you know our guest today Victor is really speaking to like the RV community and I think probably a lot more people who have RVs are those weekend warriors Mm -hmm. the you know, summer trips, the summer vacations, not necessarily, there is a whole group of people like full-time RV living for sure, Mm -hmm. but there's also this huge group of RVers who only get to do it when they can. Yeah, like either they're using it for their vacation time, just to get away from their home for a week at a time. It's really hard to do big trips, like to fly out of the country somewhere if you're only getting two weeks off in a full year and you can only take one week at a time. So it's really convenient to have that RV to just like jump in, drive six hours away, you could have that full week off and, and you have an amazing time. The re- and like the other thing when I'm saying the grass is greener, that doesn't mean that the grass is not greener on the other side. You have to try things in order to like actually see if that grass is greener or not. So let me ask you, how are you feeling? Because last week you missed the episode uh, because you were busy working on the van and working on the engine and getting that all sorted. So how are you feeling this week? To be fully realistic with you guys, I'm overwhelmed. Like I am by far the most overwhelmed that I've been in a long time. I actually said to Alex earlier today, like, I feel like I could cry. Yeah. You know, and, like, I think that's something that doesn't really happen often to me. And I think it's because, like, I just worked my butt off not only renovating the space, but also pulling out an engine, swapping in a new engine, getting that all together, finding out that it's it feels like it's running great. And then on, like, a big, long trip, on our first big, long trip, just, like, several issues that I know is happening and uh, I could tell that's happening and, you know, I, I relay that message to Alex, and she's erring on the side of happiness and caution and positivity. And, like, oh, look, it's not going in the red, so it's not overheating. I'm like, I understand that. But from what I can see that's happening, there is an issue, and we need to fix that issue before we do overheat, you know? So I, I don't know. I think I'm just I just I'm quite overwhelmed by everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we come to my family space, space which I absolutely love and, you know, fully like when I come here it's great but also at the same time like I have to also immerse myself into their lives fully as well so I think that what happens is I get pulled from every single end and then I get stretched way too too thin Mm -hmm. I go from having like an inch of thickness to like I'm like an eighth inch thick right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm about to break (laughs) I feel like too especially today there was like eight kids running around the house and 
you know, you asked to help with the house projects and the cookie projects and things like that. And then also worrying about the engine. And a lot of that does fall on your shoulders. So yeah, well, I appreciate I, you taking on that load. Yeah. And like, I've been volunteered to do these things as well. Well, I didn't, I didn't necessarily <laughs> volunteer. I said, Hey, like, I mean, we're going to be staying at your house. So like, if there's something that we can help with, cause you, your sister was also saying to me how like they're stressed out and yeah, super busy sure. and blah, blah. And so as a house guest, you don't want to be a burden. Correct. So it's like if there's something we can help with, I didn't know that they were going to take that and say, oh, Frank, here's a full list of things for you to do. I had that feeling, but here's the difference. <laughs> here's the thing is now that we have this rig, having the opportunity to go to an actual shop, get a full checkup. Thanks check to up. them, really. Thanks to them, yeah, because I have a friend who has two shops down here in uh, Venice and Sarasota. And um, so we're going to get the van to the Venice shop where they have the capable people to diagnose and check everything of what I'm telling them that needs to be done and then just go over the work that I did when it came to the engine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really grateful for that. And during those days where the van is in that shop, that's when I'll do that checklist of stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like it, it, it actually all works out. It always does. But the fact of the matter is, is that the – that you know, ability to relax for a day or two is just not there right now. And well, I, can't I think get it'll it. come, um, <sighs> just not the first day we got here. You know yeah. what I mean? So, I just, and also, Frank, don't forget, the grass is always greener. It is. The grass is always greener, <laughs> but it would be nice and green on the side where I get to actually relax for 10 minutes. You had at least I, 10 minutes. All right, 10 minutes I got, but I went out into the RV myself while everybody was here, and I actually, I was working. I was doing this podcast, you know, making sure that all the volumes were good and just listening to that, but during that time, I got to really, like sit down inside in the air conditioning in the RV while it's plugged in. Which is nice. Which is it's really the nice. first time we've ever had air conditioning in a rig. Yeah. And when it's in a space that's 85 plus degrees outside, like in the direct sun, it's probably 95. And uh, it actually felt fairly comfortable in there. So mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for that. You know, the, the grass is greener on that end. Yeah. And so I think once we have the actual mechanic kind of look everything over double check your work, so to speak, mm-hmm. make sure everything is like tucked in and gives you the peace of mind that like, yes, everything is good, good go. you know, then I think that that'll put you in a much better headspace in terms of like, okay, everything is good with the engine. Well, yeah. And I like, once again, I don't think anything's wrong with the engine, but I know there's several things around it that aren't working right. Right. And with that being said, we're going to get into this episode. We're going to have this chat. Uh, I, I enjoyed this conversation. It's a little bit slower, so just be bear with us. But uh, enjoy the conversation. If you're getting out on the road, you're going to want to listen to this because this is kind of where this gentleman is at at the moment. So it would be nice to get a perspective of you know where he's coming from and what we could give back to him advice-wise. Victor, we're super excited to talk to you today. Um, So why don't we just kind of get back to the beginning and the roots, and maybe you can share with us a little bit about who you are, and then maybe how you got so interested in, like, the outdoors and camping and being outside and all these, like, wonderful things that we all love so much. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Um, I'm certainly a huge fan of you guys. Um, Been going through the backlog and the archive of um, your guys's episodes and skipping around and hopping to the middle sometimes. And uh, there's always something funny to laugh about. It's super relatable. And um, that's what brought me here. Um, My background is I come from Maine. um, And in the state of Maine, camping is kind of a way of life. Um, It's kind of the theme of everything unless you live in one of the cities and um that is so working at a campground um really immersed me into the lifestyle of uh got to learn about the people that convert buses people that convert vans people that go full-time rving and got to really sit down and get sold by them on the lifestyle um what's so special about it um, about how it's actually even more affordable than regular living and how it kind of has that, um, adventure piece that people feel like they're missing in everyday life. 
I love that. Uh, when you said Maine, it immediately made me think about like a very small Alaska. <laughs> like, you got moose, you got bears, you got big lakes, you got some some like mountainish like hills. They're not as big mountains as like say Alaska, but it just gives me like that like you have that openness out there. We were there in 2019, uh, like early 2020. Uh, and we snowboarded at a couple mountains in Maine. I think it was um, uh, Sunday River, right? Uh, yeah. And what was the other one? Snow. There was two of them. I know that for sure. Um, but yeah, I just remember being out there and like, and then later on in our travels going to Alaska and just being like, I could see how this like matches up a little bit. Yeah. No, I mean, the big thing I get anywhere else in the country um when i when people ask about maine is they they don't even know that it's part of the country sometimes they're like oh in the you're in the top corner of the country what's that like like do you guys live in igloos do you ride moose to work <laughs> like what is it so no i'd say i'd say it's a little bit I, what, what was your guys' feel of Maine? Did you feel like it was a little bit back in time, a little bit going up there? Well, we were there in the middle of winter, too. So we need to go back in the summer because I think m- most states, including Maine, I'm sure the summer and the winter is very different, especially somewhere where you get a real winter with like real snow and like it's like actually a season. Um, so for us, it was very much like a winter wonderland. I don't necessarily feel back in time, but I think because we were going to the mountains, we were in more of the rural remote areas anyways. And so it definitely felt very, um, I don't know, like comfortable and, uh, quiet. Yeah. What I found interesting about it, there was a lot of people that were originally from Massachusetts and living up in Maine at this point. So it was really interesting. It was almost like their getaway from the city. That's what we found a lot of. Um, so when I was working at a campground, um, I met a guy and he was doing the van life as well. Um, it looked his looked a lot like your guys's, um, but he was like a music producer and like his his life involved traveling. So he converted a van and he was just always on the road to go do his work. Um, I met a couple that were um, they had converted a bus and they were the ones that really put me onto it, just sitting around a fire for like endless hours, to, like discussing what this lifestyle is all about. Um, so, yeah, no, it's beautiful. Um, and we were actually sitting around uh, watching one of you guys' videos and we were trying to guess what your accents from. We were thinking we were thinking it was Northeast. Like I, I was like, is it a little bit of. Is it New York? Is it Massachusetts? <laughs> <laughs> so it's New York for sure, but it's uh, it's a little bit mixed because I lived in Florida for quite some time. So you know that that makes my accent sound kind of funny sometimes. It's awesome. It's awesome because it, it, it was funny too because I said Florida. My girlfriend had had said um, Massachusetts, New York, and yeah. we're like, you're both right. right. You kind of catch it. <laughs> Yeah, you guys got it. It's a mixture of both. So uh, you were spot on. So let's take you back. Do you have any like fun stories from when you were a kid camping in Maine? Like any that come to mind that you're like, that's the camping trip that we always bring back. circle Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we would go to the White Mountains in New Hampshire. Um, That was always the big one. So as much as I love campgrounds and their pre-planned activities and doing all the thinking for you. Probably one of the best camping memories I have is um, going up into the woods, like up to the top of the White Mountains, above all the state park areas, um, setting up a campsite with my dad and his friends and my friend and um, just having complete remote kind of privacy it was quiet all the best parts of nature that you would think of when you're camping and um we stayed up there for about 
a week and we didn't have any cell phone reception whatsoever. And so I was just, I I realized how strong cell phone addictions are when I'm walking around the campsite with my phone in the air, just like looking for a bar, you know, (laughs) just trying to find a single bar. And then you, you get to a certain point where your phone actually does pick up some reception and it's like, ding, 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 ding. (laughs) It just all starts flooding in at once, but you can't reply. But I made peace with that about like halfway through the camping trip. I definitely, um, preferred it that way Mm. it's kind of amazing amazing how you like kind of fall back into you know being okay and comfortable without having the cell phone and it's also kind of weird that when you do get the service everything comes in like you just want a jackpot well honestly it's so stressful (laughs) i feel like kind of same feel like you get somewhere you're like oh we're not gonna have service okay whatever and then you kind of don't even look at your phone you realize how much you look at your phone and you just pick it up and you look at it and you're like, Oh, well this doesn't really do anything. So I'm just going to put it back down. And then you'll do that like 10 times a day and be like, Oh man, like, did I really just check my phone again? Um, But then when you do get back to service, I find it really stressful because then it's like a hundred messages and all these emails and all these notifications. And you're like, ah, like I want to go back in the woods. As yeah, I check my phone to turn the volume off. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah, one one of the things that is really wild that you don't even know until you get out there and you start camping is just how many hours goes into the social media companies that have apps on our phones. It's like, I mean, if, if you turn on um, the, the tracking to where it tells you how much screen time per week, especially if you have a online kind of situation where you're doing podcasts and stuff like that. You won't even realize that you racked up six hours in a day looking at social media apps. And then if you were to zoom back in time to when you were a kid or you were um, before you even had a phone, the idea of staring at a phone for six hours would have felt like a punishment. Mm -hmm. It would have felt like you got in trouble and now you have to go stare at the wall in the corner but people are so used to it now um that i think disconnecting and getting off into the mountains for a camping trip um really is it it's mind-bending yeah it's kind of interesting that you say that because it actually makes me think that it is sort of a punishment and we're putting ourselves in it you know and um we we are punishing ourselves to the point of not immersing ourselves into nature more and what's around us more you know the the aspect of like even when you're just driving down the road if you're the driver you're paying attention you're noticing things but as the passenger you're looking through your phone you know your your head is down you're not actually taking in the beauty and the view of the places that you're going and like the beauty the beauty the beauty of mother nature in general whether it's green grass mountains you know whatever it is you're missing out on that. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it's almost like to me, looking, driving around and experiencing new places and taking in that stimuli is such a more clean and authentic stimuli than the little dopamine rush you're getting from seeing a notification on Facebook or Instagram. It's like that's such a that's such a dirty hit of dopamine or whatever that could be replaced by just simply going outside and getting the same stuff, but it has so much more depth and it feels so much more real at that point. Mm -hmm. So is this one of the reasons why you started helpfulcamping.net to get more people off their phones and into the wild? Yeah. Well, that's kind of what you see when you opt in and start getting the newsletters is a lot of them do are based around, um, how to get kids off their cell phones, how to not be stressed out and overwhelmed by the process of going camping, but how to just take it one step at a time and get yourself out there. Because I worry a lot of people are kind of just like encrusted into their daily life and daily routine. And the people that I see that get up and drop everything or either plan a camping trip or decide that they're going to go full time in some capacity, 
um, that's people just like shattering the glass and um, deciding that they're going to be free and break out of that little cage kind of that you were talking about. Well, and it's, it's funny that you say that because like, I kind of have this feeling that people kind of see that in us, you know, because we do live and travel on the road and we make these videos but the interesting aspect to it is that we are out there enjoying it very much, but we are also making the videos for it. So, mm. you know, as much as we are out there exploring and living life and having a ton of fun, we're also still in it. You know what I mean? Like we're still doing things based on this, you know, based on the internet aspect of it, because this is how we make our livelihood. And I will, I will say that it's way better than, what it what it was having our regular nine fives wouldn't you say that mm-hmm. oh absolutely yeah well it's like i feel like we maybe work more hours but we work them when we want to work them and the way that that work looks is very different and so if you're coming from like you know a corporate job or like a blue collar job or whatever and you looked at us you'd be like they're not working but like filming a video doing a renovation doing all these things like for us it's like it's our job to do these things and we enjoy them and we get benefit from them yes. and, you know, all these things. And like, we spend a lot of time editing and blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, it's our choice of what the work is going to be. Yes. And it's our choice of when the work is going to be. But, like we have five hours worth of calls or podcasts or consultations or whatever it is today. We have that. Plus we're working on a rig. Plus we're working on, you know what I mean? Plus we're editing oh, yeah. content. So it's a, it's a ton of extra work that we're doing, but the idea of being able to do it when we want and explore the outdoors has definitely outweighed what our old lives were nine to five. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to give people like a realistic expectation because like, I, I don't know, when we were talking about earlier about like seeing the stuff outside, that's the unedited version of life. You know what I mean? Like, you're seeing stuff through your own eyes, no edit at all whatsoever. Maybe your mind might be slightly editing it because you're excited about where you are. Because if you don't have this excitement for it, then it's going to be more dull and not so exciting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? And I see you guys, you guys will have like um, a 30 or 45 minute podcast go up. But just like the, the level of detail and the editing and stuff like that i'm like wow that must have taken like eight hours yeah yeah the podcasts are a little bit easier but when it comes to like the videos those things could be you know a couple days uh it's just you know it's a matter of what is it really like is in it you know and the nice part is though is that when we were traveling through central america or even through the states um and alaska and whatnot we'd be editing that podcast with the doors open on a beach, you know, Um, and we, we would then get to pick and choose, you know, if we want to be outside hanging out with new people and then decide to work later on at night. Yep. So it's like you you get this opportunity to balance your own life, um, which can be challenging at times, but it's also really nice once you get a hang of it. Yeah, I love that. I mean, just the idea of doing the content process outside, getting to smell the fresh cut grass, getting to smell the beach, getting to be around people like sitting there at a park on a on a wooden picnic table and seeing a family have fun in the background while you're editing your video. And then that inspires your caption. Like, mm-hmm. I I think that this is the coolest part, like the opportunity that you guys have gotten to do of this big internet boom the past 20 years is creating an opportunity where people can live a quality life. That's the closest thing to connecting to back what it used to be like before civilization, but still having the benefits and the reach of getting your message out there, your ideas out there, your personalities out there, making a living from it. I think the really big push is that people do want a simpler life. And so many people are willing to like take the pay cut or take the leave to like leave the job that's stressing them out, that's taking all their time, that's zapping their energy, that's, you know, not fulfilling them to try something else, to try something different. I think that 
that's probably the lifestyle of van life and camping in general like boom during the pandemic because people finally had time to get out and do things and go explore and then they were like dang like I want to do this more like I'm wasting my time in this office and I'll say that you'll get some comments from people now that like you're doing nothing with your life, but realistically you're doing a ton with your life. You're you're really getting to see the life for what it is, you know, and and have an opportunity to really explore different places, which is incredible. But you're gonna definitely have some people out there that are gonna be on the opposite side of it that uh, make you feel like, oh, you're not trying to get paid more money or whatever, then you're a failure. That's not what everybody's life is, though. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> You know, we we left jobs where we were doing pretty well and we could have the rest of our lives in, but we were lacking the ability to actually live. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see that. Um, I've even received that kind of talk myself. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline from um, friends at the time who would come up to me while I was living at and working in a campground, um, getting into the online work type of stuff, immersing myself in it, got a position doing all of that. And then this person comes by and just has something to say like, oh, you're living in an RV? And it's like, hey, come on now. Like, if everything's optimized towards that, um, that's a choice. And there's a community of work campers and the work campers is a group of people just like you're describing is, yeah, it's a lot of elderly people that are going there and doing retirement jobs at campgrounds. But believe it or not, there are executives out of corporate America who were making multiple six figures a year and who get cherry picked by these online companies like ours to do these big time jobs for them from the convenience and comfort of getting the RV lifestyle. So a lot of people are having these moments in life where maybe they just suffered their first stroke or their second mm -hmm. stroke, or they're being warned of an impending heart attack that's going to happen. And they're deciding that they need to get out of corporate America where everything they were promised growing up, everything they were promised going through school turned out to be a lot more gray and blah than what they found, what they had hoped for. And then they're actively choosing to have a smaller lifestyle. I sat around a campfire with a woman in that exact same scenario. And she was like, you know, my whole life, I just wanted this big house and this white picket fence. And then I got it. And once I got it, it wasn't what I hoped. It was just a lot of cleaning and a lot of upkeep. And I was miserable. Mm -hmm. And now my whole life is this RV and this campsite and these pebbles down in front of the campsite and our campfire and our friends here at the campground. And she's never been happier. And this was a lady um, in her mid fifties who said it was like a, it was like a big realization or an epiphany. Mm -hmm. Well, I think what she also found in that was community, you know, like with her white picket fence in her house that she had to clean all the time. She didn't have time to find community and realistically, you know, uh, how far away is that community for her, you know? And so in this campground, she was able to, find the people that were like-minded, you know, in the sense of wanting to like live life and explore and be able to see new places, you know? And, and so she's finding that, that like-mindedness that is kind of difficult to find when you are working a normal nine to five. Mm -hmm. Have you guys found that it's been pretty, um, there's been a sense of community just in the online van life groups or the bus groups or the full-time RVers? So, yeah, I would definitely say yes. Because yeah. The fact of the matter is, is right now we're actually at 
a friend's house that we met through the community of van lifers, you know, and given us an opportunity to do the things that we need to do here in their garage and whatnot. So there's a huge community of that. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know if I would say like the groups specifically, or maybe we just haven't found the right groups. Like you're talking Facebook groups or things like that. Or just communities, people gathering. Yeah. I think you find it when you're gathering randomly. Yeah. Or at events or things like that. I find the Facebook groups can be kind of judgmental and a little bit harsh on people. Mm -hmm. Um, And like others are very quick to, um, you know, knock down your idea or tell you why you're doing it wrong or tell you, you know. Which is kind of funny because when you sit around a campfire and you might be with those same people that are in those groups, they don't act like how they act online. You know what I mean? So the simple aspect of, um, you know, finding a tribe while you're on the road, it's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. It, it slowly will happen whether you choose for it to or not. I think one of the biggest ways that we've met people like was really through Instagram, like mm-hmm. finding different accounts and, you know, maybe you have a friend of a friend or whatever. And then, you start following them and you start commenting on their posts. And then maybe you ask a question in a DM or you apply mm-hmm. one of their stories. And then you see on their story, oh, they're in Sedona and we're in Sedona. Like, mm-hmm. hey, like maybe we should meet up and do like go for a hike or something. And then those have been kind of like the biggest ways that we've met people from the online world to the real world. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll meet some people that you think you're probably going to mesh up with and then you just don't. It just doesn't click. So it's like, <laughs> It's finding the fine line, too, of understanding that when you're in that situation and saying, you know what, I think I'm going to go my separate way before, you know, there's a falling out in any type of way. Or like, it was cool to meet you. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, you got to remember that not everybody is going to be your cup of tea and you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've definitely, I've seen at the campgrounds people, um, meet for the first time and then at first they don't even think they're going to become friends and by the end of a couple weeks like they've arranged it to where their campsites are next to each other and their their uh kids are friends at this point they're having cookouts every other night exactly i think the community aspect is what made me um love the idea as well as um, back when I was at the campground, um, being brought into what feels like an inner circle by the people that do full time and how it, it, it just seems like, um, there's a, there's a feeling that they have when they talk about the community of the people that go full time bus life or van life or RVing, um, and how there's this kind of like automatic understanding when those people see each other at the gas station or the rest stop. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I love about it. One thing that I find interesting too, because I agree with you there wholeheartedly, like everybody who's in style is very um, willing to, I shouldn't say everybody, but most people are very willing to like, like talk about how excited they are about going full time and what it's meant to them. And if somebody's excited about possibly doing it, we all are like cheering them on. But then beyond that, there are like rite of passage things. You know what I mean? Like once you've traveled, you know, say from East coast to West coast, then there's like a little bit more rite of passage. You know, once you've traveled up to Alaska and back, then there's a little bit more rite of passage. And then once you've done like the Mexico and back, you know, then it's a little bit more. And then once you've done all the way down to Panama, there's even more. So it's just, it's kind of funny. You kind of find yourself like in these little packs of understanding when you, when you go and you explore these different places. They're going to have to make like a community jacket with like stripes or something. Where you, yeah. Where you like instantly know. It's like the high school jackets where you get your patches for like, the different sports that you played or, you know, yeah. whatever. And that, that whole thing launches from this conversation. Next thing you know, like, <laughs> you're at the gas station. I love that idea. You know, you just see it on the side of someone's van. Yeah, right? Well, I think that's, like, kind of the sticker thing. You know, like, the mm-hmm. reason why people have stickers on their rigs 
is to show kind of where they've been and the places that they've loved and so on and so forth. So, or the people that they've met, you know, so it, it, the, the rig itself and the stickers or patches that you get and that aspect to it is kind of that jacket, you know, that Leatherman's jacket or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I, I love it. Do you guys have any, anything like a board that you put pins in that shows all the places you've been? Uh, no, we just have Google Maps. <laughs> we have a sticker collection, but it seems to go with every time we sell our van because we put it somewhere in the van thinking that van will be our van forever. And then we sell the van and then all the stickers are gone. Yeah. So every time we start a new van, we start a new sticker collection. But I will say it's still alive just with other people in their rigs. Right, right. It's just been passed on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell me more about this working at the campground business. So how does that work if somebody was looking to get a job in a campground? Like, I know there's a lot of camp hosting opportunities, but like, what would that look like if someone was trying to explore that kind of avenue of making money on the road? Yes. Yeah, so there are different ways you can do it, but it's a pretty exciting thing because essentially a work camper is a work camper. It's like its own community or tribe of people. And they'll go and they'll either go on job boards, there's work camper job boards, there's work camper Facebook groups, and the campgrounds themselves or the person that oversees that department will post in the, in the group um, or on the job board. And the work campers who are uh, full-timing will look for a position that matches up with them. And then a lot of times um, they'll get like a, a free work camper spot or like work camper area is like off on the side of the campground. It's like a section for just all the people that work and stay there. Um, now those sections, they party hard. Let me tell you, like that is like its own subsection of the campground itself. Um, but yeah, so they find each other online and then they go and a lot of times they'll stick together. Like if they really like who they work with, um, they'll travel to the next destination or the next state or mutually agree on it. Um, and I'll go to the next campground with each other. Um, but yeah, they'll get paid. They'll get, um, a place to hook up for electrical and sewer. Um, and they'll typically get a job in the campground. And the cool thing about the campground is that it's, it's one business or one type of company that encompasses many little businesses within it. So for one, they have a store. For two, they'll usually have a restaurant. They'll also have front office administrative assistants. A lot of times they'll have a general manager. But then if you don't want to work inside, they have activity directors a lot of times. They'll have landscaping crews. They'll have people that work on making sure the road is flat um, with like a little tractor. Um, They'll have, yeah, people just to pick the weeds out of the ground, um, mow the lawns, pretty much anything you can think of or anything you have history of doing, um, they'll have a role for you in a campground. Mm -hmm. Even if it's security and they just throw you the keys to a golf cart and you're driving around in your golf cart, um, responding to noise complaints. I mean, they have something for everybody. It kind of reminds me of a moment when we were in Oregon, we went and met up with our friend, John Dean, and he was actually a, uh, working at a campground and he was doing odds and end jobs and cleaning up and, uh, you know, general handyman handyman stuff. So, um, you know, it's, it is really interesting. We know we've had, had several friends who do this, you know, as a, you know, they'll travel to the state, they'll be a campground host or do the odd, like the odd jobs around the campground. And uh, they all seem to love it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's definitely a way. It's definitely a, a good way, a low stress way to have a career while you're still on the road doing the camping lifestyle. If, if you, if you're not lucky enough to be in a situation or be presented with an opportunity to work from the road, something remotely, um, it's a good way to still have that stability, that schedule, um, to live like normal, just at a campground. Um, it has that Mm -hmm. community feeling. Um, 
Because one of the things I think people really worry about when it comes to full-time RVing is uh, maybe this thought of, oh, my my van or my RV is going to break down and I'm just going to be in the middle of the road. And what am I going to do? Am I going to go Uber to a hotel? Is there a AAA for RVs? Like they ask all these questions. Um, but I saw in one of your recent episodes, um, or maybe it was when I was going down the archive, you guys said you got like a, a 2019 van and literally never had that happen. Yeah, I mean, our, our you had to get towed once. Yeah, well, no, not with our ProMaster. Oh, yeah, no. I was thinking about the other. Yeah, one. the twenty. He said the twenty nine. Both of our other vans have had to be towed. Yes. We've had three vans, one really old one that we're working on now, a medium old one, and then our new one in the middle. The new one never had any trouble. No issues. No, no tire blowouts. No nothing. We've had. The only thing that we had happen was we drove through like a muddy spot in in Mexico, and I felt like a little swipe, uh, a little swipe like uh, like vibration, a little bit more vibration than normal. And it just happened to be that our fan was overly dirty, and it was just needed to be washed off. And then the guy was like, "Oh, your your bearings are probably at like eighty five percent," and I was like, "Okay, that's fine." And then we drove the rest of the way, getting mud all over it's it and stuff. A never a problem. Um, yeah, I mean, with the other van, uh, with the first van, we did 10 months in that van. And we ha- started having small issues. It never put us on the side of the road until we were in uh, Flagstaff, Arizona. And we were waiting for a part. We knew what was wrong. We probably shouldn't have really been driving it, but we had some things to do. And then the thing that was broken that we were waiting for the part on broke for real yeah it like fully broke and so. then we had to get a tow to the mechanic and we just slept on the street next to the mechanic and then woke up the next morning and was like hey guys we're ready for the part to be installed so the nice part about living in the van is the fact that you have literally everything in there whether it's food whether it's heat whether you know what i mean like you don't have anything to really worry about except for how long does it take to get fixed you know, yeah. and most of the time, most jobs, depending on what they are, could be done that day. Mm-hmm. So you might have to sleep like in the mechanic's parking lot for a night, but normally they let you do it, you know, or you might have to yeah. get an Airbnb for a day. Or you just really explain to them like, hey, I live in this. This is my house. Mm-hmm. Can we get it in first thing in the morning and then be done by the end of the day? You know, and like really stress that mm-hmm. like. I'm going to sleep in this tonight. Oh, we did have the brakes on go out on that one. Too. Oh, we actually did kind of go out, but we were able to keep it topped off. But we not that we didn't have to get a tow for that. No, but it could have been catastrophic if I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so like I think if you're going to get an older rig, you have to have some kind of like mechanical mind and mechanical like know-how because if not, it's going to be very expensive. You have to be ready to work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think one of the things that holds people's, uh, holds people back from the lifestyle is all the what ifs. So how did you guys find that you guys went through that period too, or do you just have like a really high risk tolerance and you just jumped off the ledge and said, Hey, we'll build the plane on the way down. I think that we definitely went through that period, especially the year before we were jumping into van life, you know, and Basically, what it came down to was there's always a solution. Like, what if we break down at the side of the road? Okay, well, we would call our insurance company. We have towing on our insurance. We have this, we have that. Okay, what happens if it's like, you know, like, there's always an answer. What happens if we run out of money? Okay, well, we could get jobs doing this, this, or that. Okay, what happens if, you know, like, if you really think about it, all your what ifs are very solvable. Mm -hmm. Like, you just put pen to paper and be like okay what if this happens all right well here's five things that i could do about it yeah and then when you see that you're like oh well that's not that big of a deal and realistically like those what ifs and those bad things happening are probably less than one percent of your time out there on the road and you really got to think about that aspect is like your quality of life and the things that you're getting to enjoy and see are are more than what that one breakdown is going to be, or even if you have five breakdowns, like the real chances are that, you know, it's such a small moment in that big time. 
And also, mm-hmm. like, it's stressful and it sucks. And, like, being broken down is not fun. And having to pay a mechanic is not fun and whatever. But, like, I don't feel like people have these same, like, okay, what if I move into a house and a tornado rips it apart next week? Okay, what if I move into a house and... A hurricane happens. Or a flood happens. my basement floods. What if um, the plumbing on my toilet backs up and I have sewage pumping into my living room? Like, you don't... All of these things could go wrong and do go wrong and have happened to people and do happen to people every single day. I mean, two things that happened at my mom's house was the air conditioning went and the uh, plumbing started leaking through the ceiling. And Is she in Florida? Is yeah, it? Florida. And oh my so, God, I can going out in Florida. Not well, and not even from a storm just because it went out. You know what I mean? So it's like $3,500, if not five grand to fix the plumbing. Right. You have insurance. So most of that's covered by insurance, but also the parts that aren't covered, they'll fix the pipe, but they're not fixing that. They're not going to make it look sure. No. And same for the air conditioning. You're paying to put in a brand new one. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's 10 grand, you know? So you're going to have all these same issues if you own a house as well. Yeah, for sure. And I would say, I would say that it's much cheaper to fix a van than it is a house. Yeah. Or probably even an RV. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's nice about the situation for people in an RV is the network of um, mobile RV repair people that are coming to life since 2019. I know they were around before that, um, but the school that came out in Texas um, for the people that have those what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, but it's kind of like as equally as strong as their desire to go out and live free mm-hmm. on the road. Um, maybe getting your hands dirty and going to a mobile RV repair school, learning how to do it for yourself and others, um, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, even if you're I not. Never even heard of this. I never even I never have either, but I would definitely agree that the best thing you could do is. Learn a little bit about mechanical stuff. You know, I think the reason why we went DIY on our rig is that way we don't have to make sure that what somebody else did, whether it's a big corporation or another person, uh, whatever they did, we don't have to like go through and make sure it's right. Mm. You know, we know that our system works. And you probably saw that big time when you just got the newer, uh, got the newer van instead of, um rocking with the older ones right yeah and i mean even with the newer van since we built out the space whenever anything would go wrong inside the space because realistically that's what would go wrong is something inside your living space and Mm -hmm. i was able to just go right in troubleshoot it know exactly what's wrong and fix it Mm. yep you know so the idea of like just getting into one of these vans and going and like thinking everything's gonna work forever is just unrealistic. No matter what you do, you're you're basically putting your house through an earthquake every single day. Yeah. You know, so I mean it, it also goes to show how durable um you know these van houses are, you know, at the same time, uh, because they could withstand, you know, these these heavy vibrations and just like going down washboard roads all day. Imagine if you took your house at home and you tried to drive it down a washboard road. That that uh, bookshelf behind you would be on the floor. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'd, books I'd, everywhere. I'd just be under it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So do you guys do you guys kind of have? people all around the country that are like, Hey, come out this way. Hey, let us know when you're coming out this way. And like, do you kind of have like a pre-plan for the year in terms of socially with other van life people? I wouldn't say we necessarily have anything pre-planned. Like we always, we have like a specific group of friends that if we're ever within an area of each other, like um, we have some friends that we share our location with, uh, they share their location with us. And so forever, like within an hour or two away, we just automatically are going to meet up. And then there's other people that you'll just see. They'll see that you're in the area through story or whatever. And we'll see that they're in the same area. We'll be like, hey, you still in Las Vegas? Are you still in, you know, Nevada, wherever, California, Baja? And then if they are and you're not that far apart, 
you'll you'll more than likely meet up, especially if you're close friends. If you're mm-hmm. just like acquaintances and you're trying to meet new people, it might happen. But normally, you have to be a little bit closer for it to just happen. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd love to see it. I would love if there was some sort of a network or event where people from all around the country come together that are all doing full-time RVing, van life, any other sort of mobile living where they're on the road and they stay traveling Mm -hmm. uh, to come together, do some sort of a bonfire or something like that. Music, everyone parks, even if it's a giant field. I feel like the community really could use something like that. There's multiple events yes. like that for sure. Like Schooly Palooza, Bus Fair, Van Fest, um, Tiny Home Fest. Uh, you have Descend on Fest. What was the one that just happened? The, the one in La Paz. The one, well, yeah, uh, Escape to Escobar. Yep. Then the the snowboarding one in uh, Oregon just happened. Mm, I was unaware of that one. Yeah. So, anyway, there's so many events, and like we try to share them with our community as they come up. Um, we can't oh, make it to all of them. Uh, Randa, Randa, Rendezvous, Rendezvous, which is in uh, Oregon. Like uh-huh. you said, um, that one's at Mount Bachelor. So it's like you just have all these different experiences and opportunities. And that, more events are popping up every single year. We actually share them on our Discord as well. Whenever mm-hmm. we find them, we put them on our Discord. We have a hashtag on our specifically for van life van events. life events. So we try to keep a pulse on it so we can share with the community, like. You know, if you're going to be in Oregon between these days, like maybe you want to check this out or whatever. So, yeah. And there are other people that we follow that also announce when those when there's new events coming up or if they know about other events. So, yeah, that's definitely something um, in the next couple of years. Uh, I want to be able to hit a good amount of those because um, I, I imagine those are great like, yeah. all people in one place. What do you look at? What do you look forward to getting yourself? Like it sounds like that you don't necessarily have a rig yet. Are you looking into building your own bus or maybe a van, or are you gonna go like with the typical, you know, um, RV, old, new, whatever? So, what did exist before was a um, Camp Native Sprinter van, and. Camp Native is the um, like booking.com, but for campgrounds. And that's a company that I help run. And there was a van that was, it was just beautiful. It was all the colors. It had, um, it had the words up the side of it, like diagonally up the back, something like that, you know, and it's awfully close to a class C. I myself personally would love to do a class C RV um or a big sprinter van um and then i think graduating up to like a class a ultimately or a big fifth wheel when i'm older and i just want that extra space and i want it to be like a big house um but for right now i'm just we're gonna look for something that just gets us started gets us out there um still looking at what to do about stuff like internet, whether we're going to have Elon Musk follow us around with a satellite or, or what, what do you guys do for internet? Oh, that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) We definitely have, um, in the States, it's kind of easy. You have cell phone service, most places. Um, and then if you're in rural places, it would be more like Starlink. And then if we're in cities, we have something called a pep wave, uh, that we talked about in other podcasts and stuff. Um, uh, and that just helps us like grab Wi-Fi from local coffee shops or like Best Buy or McDonald's or places like that. That's awesome. That's the other cool part about the lifestyle is that there's always these little like tips, tricks or hacks to to get the job done. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to getting into something like a um class c i like the idea about of being able to drive around in the rig instead of even though it comes with potentially being stuck but you know i think that's where i lean is like a class c or a big sprinter sweet very cool very cool so what's your plan with um helpfulcamping.net and your cookbook and all that yeah so 
for helpful camping is a blog that got acquired at the same time um that we really got involved with um taking camp native to the next level and for helpful camping that is a community of people that essentially just they really want camping to be stress-free um and they don't want people to be in this overthinking frenzy um before their camping trip so what we've done is we've compiled things that essentially take the stress, the anxiety, and the overthinking out of their next camping trip, especially if they're going with a family. Um, so for the cookbook, we've compiled 100 plus recipes um, that are specifically made to be outside on or by a campfire. Um, and it really breaks them down. So instead of saying, what am I going to cook for the family? while we're out camping for a week. Um, really now all you're doing is taking the cookbook and compiling a grocery list out of it, going and getting the ingredients, but what to cook, how to cook is already sorted out for you in an easy to read and follow step-by-step -step, um, as well as a checklist. So we've done pretty much the same as far as um, what to bring camping, um, all the stuff you may want to consider if you're going to be staying in an RV, um, if you're going to a campground for a week, because what we really don't want is that moment when you get up to the check-in booth and you're registering to be there for the week and you just start remembering all the things you forgot. And then here comes the little panic attack and all that good stuff. So by going to www.helpfulcamping.net, forward slash blog um, people can actually get a little bundle there's even extra bonuses in there um, of all these things that we've compiled to try to take the stress out of camping and make it a lot less overwhelming so this is really for the people that are going to go on a week or a weekend trip you know with their family and they just don't want the stress of everything hitting them and all the things that they have to think about bringing you're making it easy for them you're compiling the list for them just follow the list and the simple steps and bam you're gonna have a great week yeah absolutely like we like ideally we want to transport people from before they leave the house and they're in their little frenzy, we'd like to bring peace of mind to that part of it, but just transport them to where they're sitting there by the campfire, chilling out, relax, shoulders drop. Maybe they look up at the sky, see the stars. And that's what it's all about. Uh, it doesn't have to be, they don't have to get worked up ahead of time. That's our goal for creating the bundle or the checklist cool. uh, or the cookbook. Yeah, so when you go to helpfulcamping.net, will you also get the cookbook as well when you sign up and get the newsletter? Yeah, so www.helpfulcamping.net is essentially going to, A, it's going to feed them some very helpful newsletters that people have absolutely loved, including the one that includes you guys in it. Um, but it also takes them to a second page where um, all three of these helpful camping resources are going to be there to where they can download them. Um, and if they need any help with that, they can always reach out to me as well um, by going to the camp native Facebook page. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Victor. We really appreciate it. We love getting people out in the outdoors and we love, you know, building this community of people who have respect and just want to enjoy nature and be in nature and treat nature beautifully and keep it for our next future generations. And so I think the more that people get out and go camping, the more that they really develop that like love for nature and the whole world would just be a better place if everybody went camping once in a while. Right. And we just love the fact that, you know, just like you being helpful to people, that's exactly what we stand for. And we love that you're sending that message out there as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for having me. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, I reached out because I really feel like the helpful camping community and the FNA van life community really would gel. And um, I had a great time connecting with you guys. Likewise, Victor. Thank you so much. We hope to have you on again someday. We'll let the people talk about it. If they if they want you to come back on, we'll definitely have you back on as well. This was a great conversation, I think. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys.
That was a great chat. If you're somebody like Victor who's dreaming about getting on the road full time or wants to kind of dive into that RV lifestyle, you're definitely going to want to check out happycamber.net and sign up for their newsletter and dive into all of the amazing resources that they have there. And what I do love is the fact that he actually has gotten out there and tried it, you know, renting stuff, getting out there in the wilderness and seeing if it even is, you know, something that he wants to do full time. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that he's hit it on the head that he would like to get out there on the road. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't? It's pretty great out here. It is, it is. You know, once again, like we said, that grass is always green and it's pretty damn green on the camera. <laughs> there are definitely ups and downs and Obviously, in the intro, you heard a couple of the downs, yeah. but overall, you know, we've been doing this for over three years now and wouldn't trade it for anything. Van life has been such a blessing to us, and we've met so many amazing people. We've seen so many beautiful places. We've got to explore, you know, two different continents. No, one continent, but two, three sorry, wow, 11 different countries. 11 different countries right? North 11. America, Central America. Been as far north as the Arctic Circle in Alaska, as far south as it's, Panama City, Panama. I'm sorry, it's 10 countries. Canada, United States, and the eight below us. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> uh, we maybe will go take a 10-minute break now. Yeah, yeah, we need it, as you can tell. <laughs> but regardless, we hope you guys have an effing <laughs> day. Everybody knows it's true. Band life, YouTube channel, what they do. Everybody's got to get money. Everybody's about to get money. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All that.